Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our previous years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story by the remarkable photographer, Shen Wei, that he first shared on the podcast in 2013. It's called, But Now I See. When I was 23 years old, I found myself standing in front of a painting by Vincent van Gogh. The painting was the olive trees with yellow sky and the golden sun. The painting was so fascinating to me because I had seen this painting many times when I was a child in the newspaper. But I just couldn't imagine one day I was standing in front of the painting, look at it so closely, almost recognize the brushstroke from the artist. Then I walked from room to room. I saw Monet's green stacks. I saw Roman statues, Egyptian mummies, even the art collection from China, my native country was astonished me. You see, I had never stood so close 
to creations I found so magnetic. I had never seen these sort of masterpieces that spoke directly to my heart right in front of my face. Because I was raised in Shanghai in a slum, I had never stepped foot in an art museum before, and I couldn't get over how much I felt like I'd arrived at home. My childhood in the slum was full of trouble. I lived with my parents, my grandparents, three aunts, two uncles, a few cousins, some cats, rats, and cockroaches, all under one roof. I didn't have my own room, so I spent a lot of time just outside, playing with other children, chasing around the maze that was the street of the slum. In the summertime, I would sleep outside in the communal courtyard for the entire season to escape the heat of the house. Our cooling system was fans made of bamboo leaves and just one electrical fan that everybody was fighting over. My parents married during the Cultural Revolution in China. That lasts from late 60s through late 70s. People who were wealthy and suspected to being capitalists were being harassed or put in labor camps or even worse. My mother's father was an entrepreneur. He owned an engineering firm and the family lived very uh, lushly in this mansion in French concession. But my grandfather's success made him a target when the Cultural Revolution began. He was stripped nearly everything he had owned. So my mother did what so many other wealthy young women in China did at the time. She decided to marry into a poor family for a more stable future. She met my father, the son of a construction worker. She married him and left her childhood in the mansion behind. And then she moved to the slum with my father. They fell in love, but their life was very hard. They both worked long hours in the factories and the countless difference in their family background got them fighting all the time. Because of my mother's upbringing, she was very westernized. I have never seen her dressed in chipa, which is this traditional Chinese-style uh, dress. She drank a lot of coffee rather than tea, taught me how to use a um, fork and a knife. She once brought a whole family to a park for a picnic trip, but no one around us actually understand the concept of picnic. She was also interested in fashion design. She always dressed very nicely 
and she made clothes for everyone in the family. I often looked too dapper for the slum. I had this chocolate-colored striped suit,、um, very very chic. She would sometimes put hair oil on me just to make me look extra nice. My hair is always so shiny under the sun. When I strolled with her through the slum, everyone commented on us. Some admiring us, but most were just very jealous. My mother became like a fashion icon in the slum. All the women came to her and asked her to design clothes for them. She developed a talent for making very classy-looking dress from very cheap fabric. Years after the Cultural Revolution ended, she left her factory job, went to a fashion school, and became a full-time clothing designer. Even before she was retired, she designed clothes for. Publishing houses and TV productions. Meanwhile, my father never left his factory. He's been fixing machines his whole life. When I was young, he would work long days and came home very tired and sometimes frustrated with everyone at home. Perhaps life was too overwhelming for him at the time. The constant stress. And the work, and exhaustion. Sometimes he was even abusive because of it. I was very scared of him when I was a kid. He would always hit me when I went home with a very bad school report. We had a good time too, but I started to forget all about those. My memories of my childhood always went back to getting beat up by my father. After a while, I just stopped talking to my father. I began to feel that we were so different. It was almost as if we weren't related. One day, when I was eight years old, my mother discovered my textbooks were covered with pencil drawings. She said, "This is my art gene. It has been passed to Weiwei, which is、um, my nickname from my mother. She was so proud to think that I may be an artist, and she began to send me to these weekend art schools. As it turned out, I actually really loved art classes. I grew to love drawing and the design." Eventually, I was accepted to an art college in Shanghai, and I began to understand for sure that I was an artist. I'm grateful that my parents made that possible for me. But studying art in China in the late '90s was difficult because it wasn't the best environment for self-expressions. Resources were very limited. You don't get to see a lot of、uh, art books from overseas, and the、uh, internet was not that common at the time, and、uh, the Chinese society was still quite restrictive. My art school was more practical than actually artistic. One time, our assignment was to design a perfume bottle, 
but none of the students had ever used or owned a perfume. I went home and I painted a big breast woman on this beer bottle for my assignment. My parents were very shocked and confused, but they were just happy I was not getting in trouble on the street. My mother continued to be excited about my art studies. She began to speak me like a peer, since she felt like we cut from the same cloth, as they say. But my father never seemed to know what to say to me about art. It seemed like art was just an alien thing to him, not a part of his world of machine and work. For a while, I was working in this design firm. One morning, I was ready to leave for work. My father questioned me why I don't bring any tool to work. I looked over to my father and impatiently responded, I use my brain. I can see his eyes dimmed down to a slice of embarrassment and anger. Sometimes he would listen to Shanghai Opera, which is kind of a music that comes from this folk tradition in Shanghai, seen in the Shanghai dialect. Not like the world-class Beijing Opera, which is considered high art, and it is admired by music lovers from all over the world. I remember being a teenager watching my father hum along to this Shanghai Opera and hoping he could have a better taste for finer things in life. The more I grew to love art, and the more I felt it was in my genes, like my mother said, the more my father and I seemed to be from a different world. I knew I should go see and study real art where the artists can express themselves whenever they want. So in the summer of 2000, I landed in the United States. I was accepted by the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, a great school where I continued to discover who I am and what I want. I saw and did so many things for the first time, including making the kind of art I love. After three years in Minneapolis, I moved to New York City and went to graduate school trying to survive and making art. When I moved to the U.S., I drifted apart from my father even more. I would talk to my mother on the phone all the time, but if my father answered the phone, the conversation would be painfully awkward. We were just two people with nothing in common anymore. A couple years ago, my parents came to New York to visit me. It was my father's first trip out of China. I brought them to Washington, D.C., and we went to the National Gallery of Art. My mother was tired, so she went sit in the coffee shop the whole time and uh, left me with my father. We walked room to room silently. We don't even talk to each other, completely wordless. We walked through this long hall of sculptures. 
I intentionally speed it up so I can just get over this awkwardness as fast as I can. Then I saw my father sat down at this one bench, staring very intensely in front of him. I thought he must be lost in thought about something. So I just stood still, holding my position by the door and uh, hoping to exit the gallery as soon as possible. But I just watching him just sitting there, not even moving. I feel like he must sit in there for a long, long time. Finally, I walked over to him, trying to signal him that we ought to move on. Before I said anything, he turned his head to me, leaned his body forward a little bit, pointed his finger to a bronze statue right in front of him and said, That is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. At that moment, I realized that my father was in a museum for the first time in his life. And just as I had such a profound experience the first time I stepped foot in a museum in Minneapolis, so was he. He was staring at Rodin's The Thinker, a nude man in sober meditation battling with a powerful internal struggle. And the sculpture might as well have been alive for him. It might as well have been a sculpture of him. At the moment, I almost burst into tears. There was so much about my father that I had never seen before and could only see now that we were in this new environment away from the place he had a relentlessly difficult life in the past six decades. Later, I heard my father sing discreetly by himself in the hotel bathroom. I even came to realize how beautifully simple and true those old Shanghai folk opera sounds had always been, though I'd failed to see it before. And I was telling myself my father and I are not really so different. And that's my art gene. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.